1: Verse 22 says, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rekha, or idiot, or call him a fool, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire or the fires of hell jesus made jesus made it perfectly clear in the gospel and especially here in the sermon on the mount that there's not only a hell but there's a fire in it hell is a real place with a burning fire and brimstone and jesus preached about hell more than anyone else in the bible and yet there's a compromised gospel that's being preached in churches today that says among other lies that there is no hell And that no loving God will send anybody to hell. Well, God would never send anybody to hell. And he doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves there. Hell was made for the devil and his angels, his followers. And God never intended for a man to go there. And that's why he made a way for us to escape hell. And that's through his son, Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through the son. Amen. So make no mistake about it, the Bible tells us clearly that there is a hell, but it's not on the earth like a lot of people believe. I've heard people say that, oh, the only hell you'll go through is what you go through here on the earth. That's not true. That's a lie. There's a hell that's in the earth. And don't be deceived. Hell is a reality and there are millions of people there right now and more and more going every single day. Unfortunately, there's modern Woke churches with spineless preachers that won't preach the true gospel of Christ. They won't preach against sin and repentance. They won't preach the blood, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And they won't preach about hell. And why? Because it may offend somebody. They don't want to offend nobody. But I remember when people used to get convicted in church, but now they get offended. They don't want you to tell them about their sin. They want you to tickle their ears and tell them that everything's going to be all right and we're all going to heaven someday and you can continue living the life you're living and you don't have anything to worry about. And as long as the devil can keep you offended, you'll never feel the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. And without that convicting power, you will never feel the need for repentance. Or the need for a Savior that died for our sins and made it possible for us to miss hell and go to heaven. Now you can get offended in this church if you want to, but I'll tell you one thing for sure it's not going to change the word, it won't change the church, and it won't change me. The word is true whether we believe it or not, whether we feel convicted by it or not, and our job as ministers and Pastors is to get people saved Get them in church, Amen. keep them saved, and keep them from going to hell. That's our job Amen. And if you get offended by that, then I'll pray for you In Mark 9 43, Jesus describes hell as a place where the worm dieth not And with a fire that will never be quenched. There ain't a fire extinguisher in modern daytime that would quench the fires of hell and the word worm refers to the real consciousness of the person who goes to hell it shows the remorse that each one will have when they realize that they didn't have to be there that there was a way they could have avoided it and hell needs to be preached even if it offends people maybe if we had a reality check about hell it might change our behavior and it might even change the way that we witness to the lost. Did you know that 65 million people die each year and the vast majority of them are going to hell and one of the biggest reasons is because the atheists are preaching louder than the churches and they're saying that God is dead and they're indoctrinating our children from an early age and for the most part, we as a church have been going along with it. We're getting better at it though we're starting to stand up now and a large part of the church is preaching a compromised politically correct gospel because they don't want to lose any of their members by offending them but before I compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ I will walk you to the door myself. Amen. Amen. Matthew 7 13 I'm going to try to behave. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it today. but Matthew chapter 7, 13. Jesus said, enter, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. And God didn't make the gate wide. He didn't make the, the way broad. People are choosing to go that way, and that's what's making it broad and wide. Jesus said in verse 14 straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it Again, God didn't make it that way But people can't find it because they're not looking for it The broad way is easier. It's more comfortable. It's less offensive and it's more politically correct Most of the people on the broad path think they're safe, but they don't realize that that path leads to hell Or destruction as Jesus said. Jesus said in verse 15. Beware of false prophets. Which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravening wolves. And these wolves in sheep's clothing are false prophets. False preachers. And false religions that are preaching a compromised gospel. They're telling us that sin isn't sin. And good is evil. And evil is good. And wrong is right. And right is wrong. They're teaching that there's no judgment or punishment for sin. And you can live any way you want because Jesus died for every one of us. And there's nothing that we have to do. We don't have to change one thing that when we die, we're all going to heaven. They're teaching uh, that. I'm going to pass on that one. But this goes for the fake news prophets of Baal as well. They're misleading people and mocking Christianity, but their day of reckoning is rapidly approaching. People have been misled and deceived by false prophets all down through the ages, but now we have the false prophets of Baal that are no different than the ones that uh, preach in Elijah's time and misled people in Elijah's time under an evil spirit by the name of Jezebel, and they're no different today except they're disguised as CNN, NBC, MSNBC, uh, the Washington Post, the New York Times, you name it. That's the false prophets of Baal for modern day times. And people are being misled and deceived by these false prophets, these false preachers and these false religions and they're sending millions to hell on an annual basis. As a matter of fact, a lot of these modern day Politically correct. I'm gonna make up a new word here. Preacher Titians That's a preacher that lets politics influence what they're going to preach And these wolves are preaching that there is no hell And that's comforting to know especially if someone is going there People are singing the old Beatles song. I'm gonna date myself now. I don't know if you remember the Beatles. I know some of you do Imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. You're lucky I'm not singing this. (laughs) Imagine there's no countries, it isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for, and no religion, too. If people weren't willing to kill and die for this country, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be enjoying the freedoms that we're enjoying today. It says, imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. I used to like that song. I didn't understand it at the time. Probably why I liked it. But they're actually singing no God, no heaven, no hell, no Holy Ghost, no religion, no blood and a one world government and if you pay attention to the words you'll notice they're singing about a communistic doctrine of utopia that's exactly what it is it's a communist mantra and it helps them sleep at night thinking there's no heaven or hell but this doctrine of no heaven and no hell and no judgment or punishment is a lie from the devil and it's sending millions of people to hell I've preached portions of this before, but it bears repeating. I'm sure there's some people in here and on Facebook or social media that haven't heard this message yet, but I talked about a book called Who's Who in America. And it features over 7,000 profiles of prominent elites, prominent oligarchs. And it represents virtually every major field of endeavor. And uh, people are paying money to get into this book, as far as I'm concerned it's a big scam, but it gives you access to thousands of biographies that reach uh, beyond the list and facts to shed additional light on what makes these inspiring individuals who they are, but you'll find Nobel and Pulitzer prize winners,
0: legendary
1: athletes, best-selling authors, university presidents, accomplished artists, renowned entertainers, entrepreneurs, and corporate executives of every kind. You'll even find government and religious leaders, innovators and inventors, as well as professionals in the fields of education, law, medicine, broadcasting, publishing, technology, sports, and more. It's a book that's full of vanity and pride. It's so vain, it's pathetic. And it's it's nothing but a big scam. I don't know about you, but when society is pulling down statues of historical people and events and trying to erase our history because they're offended by it, then I don't give a flying rip about any book of who's who in America or any other country. Don't mean nothing to me. And if somebody gave me that book, uh, I probably wouldn't read it anyway. How about we write a book on who's who in hell? And there may even be a book. And I know Brother Hagin preached about who's who in hell one time. I don't know if he wrote a book on it or not. There might be a book like that. And I'm not an author. I can't write a book. I don't want to write a book. But I can sure preach on who's who in hell. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 26. Jesus said there was a certain rich man. Now when Jesus said there was a certain anything, that means it's not a parable, it's not an allegory, it's not a nice story to be told out of the Bible. It's a true event. It's something that actually happened. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously, expensively, and luxuriously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. I want you to know... Now, like I said, this is not a story that's trying to grab your attention or scare you. This is a true and accurate account. Jesus said there was a certain rich man and a certain beggar. Mm-hmm. Lazarus the beggar was desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, and moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So this shows us that there's only one place for the body called the grave, and there's two places for man's spirit, or man and woman's spirit, for mankind's spirit uh, that departs out of that body. And notice that both of their bodies went to the grave, but the rich man's spirit went to hell, and Lazarus' spirit went to Father Abraham's bosom so the body goes to the grave where it returns to the dust that it came from and your spirit the inner man of the heart the real you goes to one of two places either heaven or hell that's the only two eternal destinations i don't care what you've been told or uh, what you heard there is no other eternal destinations it's either heaven or hell nothing above nothing beneath and nothing in between. And verse 23 says, And in hell he, the rich man, lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And so Abraham's bosom was a temporary place of comfort called paradise. It was for those who died believing in God and waiting for the promise of a Savior that was preached by the prophets that would come sometime in the future and redeem them. They couldn't go to heaven then because Jesus hadn't paid the price for sin and wasn't raised from the dead. And so it wouldn't have been right for him to go to hell because they did believe in God and they did believe in the future Savior that was going to come. And so they would go to this temporary place of uh, comfort and they called it Abraham's bosom. It was actually somewhere in the earth and it was called paradise. And since Christ rose from the dead, there's no longer a need for paradise because now when a believer dies, they go straight to heaven. Absent from the body is present with the Lord, the apostle Paul said. So when Christ died, he descended into paradise. He preached captivity to those that were in there or or those that were captive, he preached to them the same gospel that we heard that got us born again. And they believed his words, they got born again. And then he took them in paradise And ascended into heaven. And that's where they've been ever since. And then in verse 23 it says. And in hell he the rich man. Lift up his eyes being in torments. And seeth Abraham afar off. And Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said. Father Abraham have mercy on me. And send Lazarus. That he may dip the tip of his finger in water. And cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this So obviously he could see paradise and paradise could see him, but they couldn't reach each other. And I want you to notice that the rich man was fully conscious. This is what's so important about this uh, account that Jesus gave because he gives us a glimpse of heaven and hell and, and teaches us some things about how conscious we will be when we're there. People think that, well, they won't know anything, they're just a a dumb spirit going to hell or a dumb spirit going to heaven or something, but that's not true. Uh, There will be a resurrection, and you will be placed in a a body, a new body, and what a lot of people don't realize is this includes the people in hell. They're going to be assigned a body, just like the people in heaven are going to be assigned a body someday at the resurrection. And so they will eventually be there. But I want you to notice that the rich man was fully conscious, had all his senses—his his sight, his hearing, his touch, his feelings, his emotions. You can see all of that in the in the account here. And he had his memory. All the same physical powers that he had on the earth—that's called your soul. And when you die, your soul goes with you, whether it's to heaven or hell. And you're fully conscious of everything that you. A past present and future but in verse 25 Abraham says son so this guy uh, was a a child of Abraham or he was a Jew he says son remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy goods and likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted and thou art tormented seems like they've switched roles now the tables have turned and Beside all this between us and you there is a great gulf fix. There's a chasm of some type And uh, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from thence So there was a, ga- a gap a gas chasm a, a, a Valley a gulf of some type that separated paradise from hell and they couldn't go back and forth So there's only two places a person goes after death, heaven or hell, and both places are for eternity. And once the gates of hell close behind you, there's no going back, nothing, no restitution, no second chances of any kind. There's no purgatory. I hesitate to say that, but there's no purgatory. I believed in purgatory for years. But now I know there is no purgatory. Yet. There's no temporary place of punishment where you can have enough sins burned off of your spirit to be worthy of heaven. You die in a state of, of uh, new, new birth or, or you die and go to hell, one or the other. There's nothing in between that. Then Jesus gave an account of another rich man in Luke chapter 12. Jesus said, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow all my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, you fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall all these things be which thou hast provided? Mm -hmm. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This rich (coughs) farmer died and went to hell. Then in Mark chapter 10, Jesus spoke to a rich young ruler. He wanted to know how to get to heaven and Jesus said to him, one thing you lack, go that way. Sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. And he, the rich young ruler, was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had many great possessions. That rich young ruler is in hell today you're probably wondering by this time, does Jesus have something against people having riches or rich people? No. He has something against people that think worldly possessions are more important and more valuable than he is. And there's people dying and going to hell every day because their riches and their worldly goods were more important to them than Jesus. But then in 2 Timothy, there was a young man by the name of Demas. He was an itinerant minister under the leadership of the great apostle Paul. And everywhere Paul went, Demas was at his side learning and being taught by Paul. But then all of a sudden, Paul writes this letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. And we find Paul crying out to him and saying, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. See, money is not evil. Nice things are not evil.
0: No.
1: Loving them is what makes them evil. That's right. Anyway, I've searched my Bible to the very last page and never found any place where Demas returned to Paul or returned to the Lord for that matter. So I believe there's a backslidden young man by the name of Demas in hell this morning. Then in Matthew chapter 27, Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. And Pilate has the opportunity to find him innocent and set him free. But the crowd cries out for him to release an insurrectionist and a murderer by the name of Barabbas. And Pilate asks the crowd this question. He says, what then shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? And the crowd answered and said, let him be. Crucify. So Pilate called for a basin of water and he washed his hands of Jesus and said he was innocent of this man's blood. And you know people have been faced with the same question down through the centuries and they were they were asked the same question what then shall I do with this Jesus which is called Christ and just like Pilate they thought that they could wash their hands and be innocent of his blood and go about their way but people who think they're innocent of Christ's blood and wash their hands of him are in hell this morning we're not innocent of Christ's blood he shed that blood because of us Amen. he shed that blood because of sins that we committed not what he did he was righteous he was perfect He was the spotless lamb of God. So the sins he died for were ours. And yes, we are responsible for his blood. But wait, I'm not done. There's another person who's in hell this morning. And this is probably the saddest, most pitiful case of all the people that went to hell. And his name is King Agrippa. In Acts chapter 26, the Apostle Paul was a prisoner on his way to Rome to be tried before Caesar and along the way he's taken before King Agrippa because King Agrippa wanted to hear his testimony he heard about his testimony he wanted to hear it for himself how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus so Paul finishes testifying and it was a powerful testimony how many believe Paul got a powerful testimony he finishes testifying Before the king and he said, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then King Agrippa said to Paul, Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Almost. Go thy way till I have a more convenient season. Or a more convenient time to hear. I don't have time for the gospel right now. I don't have time to make a decision right now but you know being almost persuaded about Jesus doesn't get you into heaven you have to be fully persuaded that Jesus is Lord and as a result King Agrippa died and we find him in hell this morning and if you could hear hell this morning I know there's people went to hell and they got all these testimonies about what they seen in hell and all of this I don't know if they're true or not I'm not gonna call them a liar but some of them are not consistent with the word and whenever anything is inconsistent with the word put it on a shelf don't even put it on a shelf put it in the trash can where it belongs but if you could hear hell this morning without going there you'd hear King Agrippa's voice echoing through the chambers of hell and for all eternity, almost, almost, I was persuaded to be a Christian. Who else is in hell this morning? Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, lawbreakers are in hell, sexually immoral are in hell, kidnappers, liars, promise breakers, And anyone that contradicts the sound doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're in hell this morning. And then Jesus said in Revelation chapter 21 verse 8, The fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. All those people are in hell this morning. And if God would let us hear a cry from hell this morning, we'd hear a certain rich man crying, Abraham, Abraham, send Lazarus. Please send Lazarus. Let him dip the tip of his finger in some water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. And for all eternity, he's crying, send Lazarus, send Lazarus, please send Lazarus. Oh God, please let him warn my brothers. That they don't have to come to this place. Mm. But you know that's not Lazarus' job. That's your job. That's my job. But it was too late. So if there's someone you know. Who needs Jesus. You better tell him now. Before it's too late. Or you'll regret it. Like this man for all of eternity. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Yes. Tomorrow is not promised. The rest of today is not promised. And if God would let us hear what's going on in hell this morning, we'd hear a rich farmer crying, Take thine ease, take thine ease. Look at the size of my barns. Look at all my goods. Look how well I'm doing. And yet, he never once considered helping anyone with the bounty that God had blessed him with. But rather, in his greed, he built bigger barns and he rented more and more storage containers to hold all of his goods. But then God required his life. Now, who did all those goods go to? He didn't take them with him. There's a rich young ruler crying in hell this morning. And he's crying, Take my riches! Take it all. Give it to the poor. I want to follow you now, Jesus. Now I understand that you weren't interested in my riches. You knew I had a heart condition. But I didn't listen. I'm listening now, Jesus. But it's too late. Too late. You should have helped the poor while you were among them. You should help the poor now. Don't wait until it's too late. Who else is in hell this morning oh i hear another voice it's the voice of a young man crying paul paul it's me Demas. i've come back paul where are you paul here i am i'm sorry paul forgive me i was wrong i should have never left you and i should have never left the church i should have never left god for the things of this present world but i'm here now paul where are you give me one more chance But Paul doesn't answer. Paul can't answer because he's not there. And for all of eternity, you'll hear that voice in hell crying, I'm sorry, Paul. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Just give me one more chance, Paul. One more chance. But it's too late. And here's something else that's pitiful. Way back in the dark corner of a chamber in hell there's a man by the name of Pilate he's standing over a basin of dust and ashes and he seems to be washing his hands and he's saying what then shall I do with this Jesus whom you call Christ what then shall I do I know what to do with him now but it's too late it's too late and the countless millions of people that have faced that same question and made the same mistake Pilate did they listened to the crowd rather than the Spirit of God that was wooing them and beckoning them to come into the kingdom and now they're in hell they had their chance while they lived here on this earth and that's the only chance we get our time here on earth is preparation for eternity Amen. And the decisions Amen. we make concerning Christ are eternal decisions yes. and they will last forever. Yes. Please God, please let me hear the gospel just one more time. Let me hear another altar call. Just one more Lord, just one more. I know the answer now. I know what I do with this one called Jesus the Christ. I know what I do with him now. But it's too late. And for all eternity, Pilate and countless millions will be crying as they try to wash their hands in dust and ashes. What then? What then? Just give me one more chance. One more chance. But there are no more chances outside of this earth. But all of the cries, of all of the cries that we can hear from hell this morning, there's one in particular that really breaks my heart. And the reason that breaks my heart and Pastor Rest's heart and Brother Darrell's heart and any other minister's, is because many times they stood before people and gave them opportunities to accept Christ as their Savior. Right. And for many times, so many people that we've witnessed to and yes. preached to over the years, sat in that seat and folded their hands and said, you ain't going to move me. And they're in hell this morning because of. But of uh, of all of them that breaks my heart the most, it's the voice of King Agrippa. King Agrippa crying, "Almost. almost, 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 almost. I was this close to becoming a Christian and I sent that preacher away and told him, come back when I have a more convenient time. Almost, I was persuaded to become a Christian. Almost. I could go on and on. I can give you other examples. I didn't even go into the Old Testament. I can give you Old Testament examples of people that are in hell this morning. But these are just a few of the voices that we would hear if God would open hell this morning and let us listen. There's many, many more. Perhaps even people that we know Personally that we knew on the earth here people that we had a chance to share jesus with but we didn't it wasn't convenient we didn't want to offend them we didn't want to be embarrassed but there's people in hell this morning with all kinds of regrets but the one regret that is probably the greatest is the one like King Agrippa heard the gospel and was presented with the opportunity to accept Christ as their savior and they came right to the point of decision, got this close and said no and turned and walked away that's probably the most regretful person in hell this morning because they remember that time, they remember that day they remember the preacher, the place the words and yet they didn't respond to the call this close they wanted to wait for a more convenient time and that convenient time never came and they died never having been fully persuaded they're the ones with the most regrets this morning because they almost became a Christian I don't want anybody i know to be there that i had a chance to share with now if you share with a person and you plant a seed and they never accept jesus christ it's not on you it's on them they made that decision they got a free will they made that decision but if you had the opportunity and you didn't share that's on you so we got to become bold in our witness we got to become bold in sharing Jesus Christ we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ it's the power of God what unto salvation that's a tremendous power that we hold in our hands it was freely given to us we should freely give it to everyone else well let me close with this and then we'll have a prayer but hell is full of people this morning that died with all kinds of sins In their life but there's only one reason that they're in hell this morning and that's because they rejected Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that will send you to hell rejecting Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. you can go to hell as a murderer as a homosexual as a thief as a liar as an abuser you can go to hell for all kinds of reasons and with all kinds of sins on your soul But there's only one reason why you went there, and that's because you rejected Jesus Christ and and refused to repent. Jesus took our sins to the cross and paid for them. So much so, and identified with us so much so, that he said when he died, we died. When he was crucified, we were crucified. When he was buried, we were buried. When he rose, we rose with him he's identified with us came down here and lived our life was exposed to every sin you ever even thought of or dreamed of or did yourself he was exposed to everyone yet he remained sinless and he died perfect spotless because that was the only sacrifice that God would accept it wasn't that he was able to stay clean because he was the son of God it was He was able to stay clean because he loved us enough and knew enough that if he didn't, if he yielded to the devil's temptations, he would never be an acceptable sacrifice and we would all go to hell for eternity, including him. But he did it for us. He laid aside his eternal weight and glory. In other words, he laid aside his crown, his robe, his scepter. He left a throne in heaven, come down here and lived our life. So that he could identify with us. And so we could say I'm crucified with Paul. Nevertheless, I'm crucified with Christ. Paul said, nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I I now live, I live by faith in the son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't know about you, but I love him this morning. I'm so glad he did what he did for me. And I'm glad he did what he did for you. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. I'm not going to call you up here this morning. I know the Bible says that if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. But I think this is a hard thing between you and God. Now you may not be born again. If you're not, I want you to say this prayer with me. And then it's got to be more than a prayer. You need to start living the life then. You need to get in a good church like this one. You need to get yourself a Bible. You need to start studying the Word. You need to start praying. And your life needs to start changing. It's not just a prayer that gets you to heaven. It's a heart change. And a heart change will cause a life change. And then I know there's some people here, and then and within the sound of my voice, on social media, and Facebook, and Spotify, and wherever else we are, YouTube. Uh, this message has an anointing on it. It will follow the CD, or the tape, or the recording, or whatever. And maybe you knew God. Maybe you even go to church right now. But you're not sure, 100% sure, that if you died right now, you'd go to heaven. I'm talking to you this morning, too. I want you to pray with me. Father, I thank you for the word that came forth this morning. I know the Holy Ghost was convicting people in here on Facebook Live and on the video this morning. And if you're one of the people that felt God tugging at your heartstrings and wooing you and calling you and beckoning you, I want you to pray with me and I want you to be bold about it. And then later you can tell somebody you prayed this prayer and you can tell somebody that you accepted Jesus and you were born again and that will be your witness before men. That's why I said you don't have to come up to the front of the church to do this. But you have to be a witness. Say this after me. Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you For dying for me as my substitute substitute. in my place I believe you're the son of God I believe believe you rose from the dead on the third day day. and I receive you now into my heart as my Lord and Savior I thank you for it in Jesus name and then if you know the Lord and maybe like I said you're in church and uh, but you're not living the life you know you should be living. That maybe you, like Demas, have been leaning towards the world a little bit. You're not quite in it yet, but if you keep leaning that direction, you're going to eventually fall into it. So, if that's you, I want you to say this after me: Father, I thank you for forgiveness of sin, and I thank you that right now I'm being restored into your kingdom. And I thank you that you're receiving me just like the prodigal son. And I appreciate it. I thank you that I can come to you and I can be restored in Jesus name. Amen. And Amen. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, then make sure you tell somebody you prayed it. And I can guarantee you, if you meant what you prayed, you're born again. You're in the family of God or you're restored back into a state of righteousness and you're walking alongside Jesus once again. Amen. God bless you. I love you and appreciate you. Uh, share this message. Tell somebody you know you might need to hear it besides you and uh, give them the link. God bless you.